Welcome to CSO Knows. I'm Megan Mihawk, Penn State Law and University Park Assistant Dean for Career Services. Welcome to CSO Knows. These are your updates for the week of August 22nd, 2001. So classes start tomorrow. I can't believe we are about to start the fall semester. Welcome back to our 2Ls and 3Ls. I am so looking forward to seeing you all in person. I've seen a few of you already. Can't wait to see everybody after this very protracted remote learning environment we've had. And, you know, another welcome to our 1Ls who successfully completed orientation last week, unscathed, I hope. And a reminder to the 1Ls, Make sure you create your LinkedIn if you don't already have one and connect with me and the rest of the staff in the office. A quick note on office staffing and hours for this semester. Our office will be operating in a hybrid format. You can find the schedule for everybody on Law Lion Careers. We're going to put it up on Facebook. It's on our door to our office. And that includes uh, when we'll have drop-in hours every day. Drop-in hours, some will be in person, some will be remote. And if you need a space for remote drop-in hours, you can always come in. We'll connect you in one of the interview rooms. So you can use office space for that and just check it out. And we, you know, we do ask that you um, try to utilize either making an appointment on Lawline Careers or those scheduled drop-in hours um, so that we can effectively serve everybody. 1L training sessions. 1Ls, you have mandatory training sessions with the Career Services Office. They start this week. We will be beginning with training on Lawline Careers, which is the platform we use for pretty much everything, job posts, resumes, events, you name it. It's on Lawline Careers, so please bring your computers. Check the schedule on Facebook, Canvas, or your email. There's an email going out early Monday morning. You're divvied up by sections, so you know make sure you check when your section is scheduled. If for some reason you can't make your sections session, please let me know. You're always welcome to attend another section session. Um, it's the same information. It's just we try to do everything in small groups to facilitate discussion. So check that out. Make note of the all of the training sessions this semester on your calendars, however you're keeping track of your lives. And we look forward to getting to know all of you. Three L's. Three L's interested in government. This one is for you. Presidential Management Fellows. What is Presidential Management Fellows? Presidential Management Fellows is one of the two big ways into the federal government post-graduation, the other being the agency honors programs. Presidential Management Fellows is not just for lawyers and law students. It is open to a variety of disciplines, but there are quite a few law students, attorneys that go into the federal government this way. The application period this year is September 28th to October 12th, and they are hosting information sessions all throughout September. Please check events in Law Lion Careers for those dates and times and links. It is a process. There's quite a few steps to the PMF application process and being selected as a finalist. And then once you're selected for a finalist, then you interview with the agencies that have PMF openings. So please be sure to check that out. Also, if that is something you're interested in and you haven't already talked to a counselor about it, please do so. And just generally, uh, three L's. If you haven't talked to a counselor of late, meaning in the last month or so, you really should check in 
with your counselor or one of the counselors. You know, we want to get you all on that path to post-grad employment. I know it's a year away, but you've got to start now. Two L's likewise. We talked to quite a few of you over the summer, and now's a good time to check back in with your counselor. Let them know what's going on with your job search. If you haven't started for next summer yet, time, you know, it's time to get on the ball. Um, you know, we will also be reaching out if we haven't heard from you, but please, please, please check in with us. One else, again, we're going to start with your training sessions and we're going to pre-schedule you for your first appointment and we'll go from there. And one final note to enter your summer and or post-grad employment in Law Lion Careers. It's very easy to do. There should be a pop-up when you log into Law Lion Careers to report employment. If there's not, it's under your profile section. And we use that information for a variety of things, not the least of which is post-grad employment. We have to report to a variety of organizations, not the least of which is the ABA and also to NALP and U.S. News. So we have to collect that information. If you get out ahead of it now and report, that's fewer emails and text messages and phone calls from my office that you have to deal with. So please uh, enter your information as soon as you can. And with that, let's get to our interview this week. Today, I am joined by Associate Director for Career Services, Sharon Barney. Sharon joined our office in March of this year from private practice. Welcome, Sharon. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited you're doing this with me today. Uh, so this series is called Getting to Know the CSO as part of the CSO Knows podcast. So today we're going to get to know you a little bit better and hopefully our students and our staff and faculty and all of our interested parties will as well. So let's start off with uh, what I have referred to as the dreaded interview <laughs> question that we all love, which is why don't you tell the listeners about yourself? Well, and at this point, hopefully all the students know to expect that first in our mock interview. So this is good practice for everybody. Um, but hi, everyone. My name is Sharon Barney. I'm a Korean American first generation immigrant and first generation uh, law school student as well, in addition to being a, um, a college student. So I'm originally from Northern New York. I'm an army brat. My dad retired from the military. And um, I went to school at the University of Rochester to study neuroscience. I was on a, a track to go to med school. And in the middle of college, I decided that wasn't uh, the right path for me. I wanted to do something to help people though. That was what kind of brought me into the medical field. And I saw that the legal field also did something similar. So I decided to go to law school at Northeastern University in Boston. I wanted to have a big city experience. And I had a very unique experience because I got four um, full-time externships during my time in law school. So I clerked for a judge. Um, I worked at a nonprofit. I uh, worked at a firm and I also worked for legal services. Behind it all, I was really uh, committed to public interest work and working on behalf of survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, after law school, uh, we moved to Pennsylvania. My husband and I moved to Pennsylvania, and um, I had a very, I have a, I had a varied career. So I started out at a nonprofit. I went to a refugee resettlement agency. I had my solo practice. I was a partner at a firm, and now I'm here. So that's that's me in a nutshell. Wonderful. So, what made you? So you've had this varied experience, and I think um, 
you know, we haven't talked super in depth about this, but this is something uh, you and I actually share a little bit of is that when I first started doing career services, I was like, well, I could do that because I've done all of these different things throughout, you know, my collegiate and law school and in between and, and post law school career um, that helps inform a bunch of different areas and, and help students. So what made you want to transition to career services? So it was a really natural fit because I had been working with law students um, for a very long time. Actually, even when I was in law school, I was supervising other law students through my clinical work and through my volunteer work. Um, and I just continued to do that. So um, from the very beginning of my career, I had been supervising and working with law students. And it was very fulfilling for me because I remember when I was in law school, I loved having just somebody else who, who I could bounce ideas off of, learn from, get mentorship from. And that's what really got me through law school, being able to see the practical side, being able to talk to practitioners um, and get outside of the full-on academic sphere of the legal, you know, uh, the legal profession. So, um, so when this opportunity arose, um, I really decided, you know, that's something that I really enjoy and why don't I try doing it? And I guess as I've shown throughout my, throughout my career, um, I kind of go with my gut and I go with where the opportunities are that make sense for me. And, um, and I'm really glad that I did. So that's why I'm here. Well, we're glad you did too. We're happy to have you. And I know <laughs> our students, even if they're not yet, they should be happy to have you if they haven't met you yet. Um, so you are going to be teaching family law this fall. Do you want to talk yes. a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I am so fortunate that um, Dean Purvis and Dean Engel um, trusted me to take this on um, and, and to cover for uh, Dean Purvis this semester. I'm really excited, but I think one of the hardest parts was getting back into the law school academic mode because I've been out of law school for quite a while now and I forgot what that was like. And so having to um, <laughs> ha having to get out of practice mode and get into kind of the legal scholarly aspect of things was a transition for me. But hopefully uh, my students find that it's, it's been a seamless one and we all have a really good experience. Um, and that they also learn too, I'm, I'm going to tell them about what it's like to practice family law. You know, we're going to talk about practice tips. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at pleadings um, and things like that. So, um, so I'm really excited about it. I know when I was in law school, some of my favorite classes were the ones that were taught by people who had or were practicing because they did tell us those stories and, and all the, you know, the crazy stories of what happens and, you know, interesting clients and all that sort of stuff. So I'm sure the, <laughs> student, I'm sure the students will enjoy it. Right. <laughs> uh, so you talked a little bit about the mentoring you've done over the course of your career. And, you know, it is a shift to come into career services and, and like you said, adapt to that. Um, what, do you enjoy the most about working with students? I enjoy, um, I enjoy the enthusiasm, you know, that students bring. I enjoy, um, which I think is probably why um, a lot of us who are, who are working in schools enjoy working with students and, and what keeps us going. But I, I love looking at things with a fresh perspective. You know, and especially for those of us who had been practicing for a while, 
we kind of get into our zone and our mode of way of thinking about things. And students just bring a, a different perspective and a different type of energy into us thinking about practice of law, about what the law means, um, and about the profession itself. So I really enjoy just having that renewed energy and that renewed perspective of working with the students. And seeing, you know, just seeing what the future of the profession looks like. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that, that really gets me, um, gets me energized too. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um, as much as we're there to help the students and teach the students and guide them through their careers, I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, almost 11 years now. I feel like I have learned more from my students than anything. I mean, they're constantly teaching me just new things about life even um, yeah. that, you know, and, and at their age, they're willing to be teachers as well, which I always find amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I could go on and on about why I love doing what I do. <laughs> That's for another podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been with the office, with the law school for a relatively short period of time. It's been about five months, six months. Yeah. Um, what has been the most challenging part to you so far? So, you know, even though I have been working with law students and mentoring them, um, I wasn't doing it full time. I was not involved in a law school and the academic calendar. So I remember the very first week, I don't know if you remember this, but the very first week when we were setting up schedules, um, I instantly think of a calendar year schedule for how I'm gonna schedule things out. And it became clear to me that that is not the way that <laughs> law schools work and I need to work off of an academic calendar. And um, mm -hmm. I had a hard time with my calendar syncing because of that. I had to go through and do a lot of deletes and things. So just reframing my perspective um, has been difficult. And also just getting used to some of the things that I just had not been um, kind of uh, familiar with, like, on-campus interviewing. I had never done that when I was in law school. I was, you know, I was doing my own thing and on-campus mm -hmm. interviewing was, was not that. So just some, some of those sorts of things and learning those things um, has, has been the most challenging. And I just want to add a little bit of emphasis to what you just said for our students that you never even did OCI's on-campus interviews in law school. I think there's this perception <laughs> sometimes that they're the be all end all um, because they do get a lot of attention because of the promotion and you know it's it's through our office and everything. But I think it's really important for students to realize that it's actually and it's not just our school; it's nationwide. The percentage of students who get jobs through OCI is actually relatively small, mm -hmm. um, really quite small. It's around ten percent. So I think that's just I just want to emphasize that that you never even did it because you're the vast majority of students and you're the vast majority of our students that aren't going to get their jobs from that, that are going to get it through other means. So I just wanted to put a little, put a little <laughs> bold on that, that, that you never even did it, which I think is, um, it's just important for our students to hear that, you know, you've been super successful and that wasn't part of your path. Right. So my next couple of questions, I think go hand in hand. So I'm going to ask them in tandem. Which is, what are you most looking forward to experiencing, especially in your first year this year as, as we go through? And what are you hoping to accomplish in your role? Yeah, so I'm looking forward 
you know, because I am relatively new to the office, I'm looking forward to really getting to know kind of the cycle of things, really getting to the swing of the academic calendar, getting to learn, um, you know, kind of the cycle of what the students are going through too, you know, what the 1L students are going through in terms of their memos and things like that, what the 2L and 3L students are kind of going through in terms of their schedule. Because again, my law school experience was just a little bit different and I, I recognize that. So I'm looking forward to um, just really soaking that all in and getting to learn that academic calendar and the cycles of things. Um, and what I'm hoping to accomplish is to really be able to reach out and connect with as many students as possible and connect with them in different ways. So I know that we had talked about uh, working together with um, the Office of Student Services and working together with student groups on maybe some career panels and things like that um, that can be helpful to them in their career. So um, just trying some new and fresh things um, and, um, and finding different and unique ways to connect with the students. Like this new podcast we're right. doing. Which I just have to say, I'm super excited about it. It's been super fun so far, <laughs> so I'm loving it. Um, so I think we would be remiss not to talk about the fact that the past year and a half has been absolutely crazy for all of us during a pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. And not only that, but you started a new job remotely during a <laughs> pandemic. And I know a lot of our students, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with them. They're like, how do I, how do I work remotely? They've, they've held remote positions over the summer. So, you know, how did the pandemic and COVID affect you over the past year and a half in terms of your work? And what was that like starting a new position remotely during all of this? Yeah, so I think like a lot of people, um, COVID-19, obviously what made it made a huge impact in lots of negative ways but one of the positive ways was that at least for me personally um it helped me reprioritize things in my life and so you know COVID-19 and the ways that it impacted the legal industry and the ways that it impacted practice of law especially for my field that I was working in which was immigration law and family law and especially with family law um it it just was extremely challenging. <laughs> it was already challenging and COVID-19 did not make it any easier. And um, it, I just had to kind of reframe and refocus myself. And when this opportunity arose, um, you know, I decided to take the leap and say, um, you know, hey, let me, let me try something new. So COVID-19 absolutely did, did make a huge impact because otherwise, I may not be here, you know, I may have just been mm -hmm. kind of humming along in the practice of law because it was working for me. And, um, and COVID-19, because of all of the things and the changes that happened because of that really did make me reprioritize some things. So, um, you know, working remotely, uh, it, it will be a little strange going back into work in person. Um, <laughs> as of the time that we recorded this, we had not gone in person yet. And so, um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to actually meet people face to face, you know, um, just as I know that a lot of the students will be too, like meeting their own classmates and things. But I've been fortunate mm -hmm. that our office was able to do a lot of work remotely, you know, actually all of our work remotely, you know, being able to meet with students, being able to communicate with students and continue with programming, continue with um, the other things that we need to do. I, I feel very fortunate that uh, we have that privilege of being able to do that. 
What have you seen both from your perspective coming from a law firm as a partner in a law firm and now in the law school, um, what sorts of things have you seen, you know, whether it's in terms of technology that we've used over the past year and a half or how things are done that you think are going to stick around? Um, so I hope that COVID-19 kickstarted people to rethink technology in our profession. I mean, I know that our profession definitely has a reputation, a rightful reputation of being behind the times in almost mm -hmm. every single facet of things that you can think about. <laughs> and technology was definitely one of them. And so one of the things that I was actually able to do was work on a task force that was created by the Pennsylvania Bar Association on um, the continuity of legal services during a national crisis, whether that is was, you know, what precipitated it was COVID-19, but we can think about it in other ways of like a national disaster or other things, ways that we can keep our legal system going. Um, and again, I was fortunate to work with um, retired justice for the Third Circuit, Thomas Vanaski, on a task force for this. And we really got down into the weeds of thinking about how these issues impact every single practice area. So you know, definitely um, ways that people can testify remotely, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's like, that's sure. like just one of those things, you know, um, that we've talked about, but every single courthouse, I mean, there were definitely some courthouses and there was definitely a shift between federal versus state and technology and the resources that are available. I, I absolutely recognize that, but it was sort of like, you know, if somebody couldn't testify in person, it'd be done over the phone, you know, because right, right. they just had not caught up with hey, we have videos and we can do that now. So I think small things like that actually make a big difference. Um, in mm -hmm. our legal system. I remember before I did career services when I was practicing and I was doing mostly bankruptcy work. And so I was in federal court and I had a hearing with one of the judges in Pittsburgh, but they had me drive to Johnstown to appear by video from the courthouse in Johnstown to Pittsburgh, um, yes. which was just sort of bizarre. And we're talking 12, 13 years ago that they had me do that. And it was bizarre. And it's, you're thinking if I can appear from the courthouse in Johnstown to the courthouse in Pittsburgh, why do I have to drive to Johnstown? Why can't I do this from like my law firm's conference room? Like, what's the difference? Um, oh yeah, well, I mean, in the immigration sphere, and this is today, um, mm -hmm. If you are located closer to Pittsburgh, you go to the Pittsburgh Immigration Court to video stream to the Philadelphia Immigration Court, because that's where all of the judges are. So that, that <laughs> happens today in the federal courts. Yeah, no, no, I totally believe it. But I, I mean, even, you know, that many years ago, it was just bizarre to me that we were doing that and that they just didn't make me drive to Pittsburgh um, for a 15 minute. Welcome to being a lawyer. Um but yeah, it's, you know, I think it's super interesting and I'm curious to see how things are going to evolve and adapt as we, as we continue forward. So mm -hmm. switching gears a bit, um, what do you wish you knew when you were a law student that you know now? Um, so I wish I had been um, more flexible, I think. Um, and go with the flow of certain things. And, you know, I was very, and I still am, um, I'm very type A and I'm a planner <laughs> and I'm very organized and this is the way it's going to go. 
And I had done that with my law school career. You know, I had basically planned out ideally what was going to happen over the next five to 10 years of my life. And I was going to, you know, create my career around that. Um, I was going to go into public interest. I was going to be doing, you know, specific type of work that I wanted to do. I was going to be in the Northeast. Um, and then, you know, life happens. And I think that that's just something that we learn as we just get older too, you know, um, life Absolutely. happens, things change. You can't predict everything. And I would have never, when I was in law school, had thought that I would have been a partner at a law firm in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know, it just like, <laughs> wasn't, it wasn't on my scorecard of, you know, what I had planned for myself. Um, but there I was. And so I hope that our law students and, and when we talk with them, um, they also are able to see that if things don't work out exactly as they think for 2L year or 3L year, they don't get X opportunity, it will all be okay. And it might lead to that same opportunity later um, or even a better opportunity that they never had even dreamed of. So um, that's what I wish I had known. Agreed. And I tell students a lot of times there's multiple ways to get where you wanna go. And so in that sense, you know, I always say, you know, what's the end goal? Where do you see yourself in 10 years, 15 years? Like what's, do you want to be a partner? Do you want to be in-house? Do you, you know, what is that? And then sort of working backwards from that and realizing that there's multiple ways to get where you want to go. And that's, I agree with you completely that that's where the flexibility comes in and realizing that, that there's not just one way to get where you want to go and taking advantage of opportunities that are presented to you because it can still lead you to the same place, just maybe a different route. So mm -hmm. I agree with you a thousand percent. <laughs> uh, for fun. <laughs> so, um, so I play video games, so I'm a gamer, um, which might be surprising to people. And I remember I went to like the GameStop a couple of years ago and I bought some video games and the, the person who was working there said, oh, so, you know, how old are your kids? And I was like, these are not, these are not for them, <laughs> you know, thanks for judging me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I play video games. <laughs> I love to travel. So, um, you know, my husband, and I really like traveling and we really like going to places and learning about the history of places and just experiencing different perspectives and different cultures. So, um, and I also enjoy, enjoy baking when I have the time. Um, that's something that I really enjoyed. That's something that got me through law school is that my, my friends and I would do like baking parties and we'd make cupcakes and stuff. And mm -hmm. that got us through like the week. So, um, so those are the things I enjoy to do, doing for fun. That's awesome. My best friend and I in law school, we used to cook for everybody all the time. It was a stress release. I get yeah. it completely. Yep. What's, um, what's your current favorite video game? Uh, so I play uh, Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo Switch. Um, so I was just talking to a student actually about that, about esports and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I enjoy playing that. I enjoy playing like Assassin's Creed, like Red Dead Redemption, um, just different. So I guess, you know, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, not Xbox and not PC. Okay. okay. We have every gaming system known to humanity in my house um, because of my <laughs> husband and my two stepsons. They have everything. That's why I ask. Yeah. I don't personally play, but I know all about it from the three of them. So. <laughs> well, we have the vintage ones too. I think we have an original we PlayStation 
PlayStation One, we have an N sixty four that we like dragged out at one point. So oh wow, yeah. I mean, I don't. I think we have an SNES somewhere. I, I, yeah, we have we have a lot. <laughs> it's interesting. We actually have a Penn State undergrad um, who's out in LA. Who that's primarily his practice is esports, which is yeah. the, the. I've talked to him a few times, and it's just fascinating um, to listen really to him talk about the yeah to t- listen to him talk about the about the market and, and about that segment of the legal world, because, you know, I'm personally not into gaming, um, but you don't realize there's, there's so much legal work around it and a lot of money around it um, oh, yeah. because of everything. So it's, and he was telling me about all these people who have won these like massive competitions on these games and like 13 year old kids winning millions of dollars. And I'm like, what? yeah here I am yelling at my kids to stop playing games. Apparently I need to tell them to play more. (laughs) Um, What is the best compliment you've ever gotten? So um, I don't know if I can think of like a quote or something. Um, I don't even know if, well, I can think of one. I'm I'm not sure if it's a compliment. It's not an insult either, but um, (laughs) You know, when I was when I was um, at the nonprofit advocating for survivors of domestic violence, um, a new client had come in and she had said that she heard that I was a bulldog in the courtroom and that's why she wanted me. Which I laughed. I laughed as she said that because I was like, <laughs> I don't even know what you're saying, you know, because I don't think I am. But what that meant was that, and she had been referred from another client. But what that meant mm-hmm. was that the client felt like I was fighting for her, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I certainly didn't do anything unethical, but it felt good to know, Hey, like I went to law school to advocate. Um, and it sounds like that's resonating with my clients and that they feel good about that. Um, and, you know, I guess even from a practitioner standpoint, you know, some of the best compliments are, um, when you feel really good about the work that you did and the outcome that you got for clients, you know, um, those are always the best mm-hmm. compliments from clients are just like really appreciative so um so I don't have like one thing you know that I can think of but yeah I think you know thinking about some of those outcomes that I got and how happy some of the clients had been um those those were the things that kept me going I think the phrase that's coming to mind the most for me is zealous advocate we've you know we Mm -hmm. hear that a lot in law school and and throughout our legal careers that we are meant to be zealous advocates. And so what I thought of when you said that was that I think the layman's version of that is bulldog. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Which is nothing against bulldogs either. Like, no, no. (laughs) I mean, she could have said pit bull and, you know, I have a pit bull. Right, 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 right. No, it's, we all get, we all get what it means. (laughs) Um, so I was actually going to ask what's an insult you've received that you're proud of, but that's almost the same thing. So, right. Yeah. I'm not sure what, yeah. I wasn't sure how to take that. that I take it as a compliment. I think, like I said, it's the lay person's version of zealous advocate. We're going to go with that. Um, what are, and you can do any combination here of three books, movies, or podcasts that you would recommend to the audience and why? 
So I have to tell you that when you kind of sent this to me ahead of time so that I'd be prepared, I have struggled with this for the past two days about how to answer this. This has been the hardest question. Um, and I hate to admit it, but I, I have not read a book, like a full-on book in a very, very, very a shame, shamefully long time. Um, and I blame that on the fact that I was an English major in college and then immediately mm. went to law school. And uh, both of those experiences just like beat the fun out of reading for me. So I do a lot of reading, but it's just not a book and it's not for fun. Um, and I know other lawyers who can, and I don't know how they can, because I just, I've tried many times and I just cannot. So, um, so, and I, I don't actually, even though I'm on this podcast with you, I don't listen to podcasts. I'm like so old school. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like a boomer, you know? when people are talking about their podcast, but I'm the person who I will check out an audio book at the library and take it with me and stick it in my CD player in my car. Like that's how <laughs> old school I am. And now I download audiobooks and stuff like that um, for fun. But um, I really struggled. So one thing I'm going to suggest that I really have enjoyed is, um, you know, streaming services, right? And I think a lot of people kind of resonate with that. So one, um, one series that I really enjoyed is Crash Landing on You, which is on Netflix. <laughs> it's relatively new and um, it's a, it's a K-drama. Um, okay. So it's a Korean drama and uh, it's about a woman who is successful in South Korea who accidentally crosses the DM, uh, DMZ and is in North Korea and she meets a North <laughs> Korean soldier and all sorts of hijinks and things like that but it's the writing is spectacular the acting spectacular you don't have to know about Korean culture even though I sort of do but you don't have to know about Korean culture to be able to resonate with it um there's a lot of humor in it there's there's action in it that's kind of cheesy but it's fun so it it's my like little escape so that's I recommend that to anybody who's interested in a really good series and you'll get absolutely hooked um, I'm going to have to add it to the Netflix queue. Yeah. And then, um, I can't, I honestly cannot even think again, maybe because I play video games, and I just don't do like other entertainment. I can't even think about the last like movie I watched. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I watched, I think the last movie that I watched was the lighthouse. Um, mm. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to everybody. So, um, I enjoyed it, but it, uh, and of course, one of my favorite books is um, is Wuthering Heights, but that's not, I mean, I'm sure many people have already read that and may enjoy it or may hate it, but I really enjoyed it. So, um, so okay. yeah, take that. Don't come to me for entertainment picks, please. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> with it. <laughs> well, but I think it illustrates that, you know, attorneys are not a monolith. And we all have different <laughs> interests outside of the law. Um, no, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. I mean, and you can, so this is, this is one of these um, small side things, but Nate in our office knows that I'm weird and I watch train videos. So on YouTube, so, but he's also weird and he can tell you about that. Um, but that was something I, I watched him that he thought was weird. <laughs> I watch like surgery videos on YouTube. Like what, what 
kinds, like specific types or? Um, it depends. Cause you know how you can go down a wormhole. Oh on YouTube. yeah. So of course, like the Dr. Pimple Popper, like the popping oh kind of videos. Oh my Obsessed. Um, they, I don't, there's something weird in my brain. I don't know. They help relax me. I think it's <laughs> fascinating. But so I've just gone down these rabbit holes of like different surgeries and like, I've seen like these weird foot surgeries and hand surgeries and I just go down rabbit holes and I don't know what's wrong with me um, that I have this weird fascination with like medical procedures. Um, <laughs> and maybe it's because my mom was a nurse. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But I find it very soothing that or I should have gone to med school instead of law school. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, we all have our weird things. I, I go down rabbit holes on YouTube as well. So I get it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so one last fun question that I did not have on here because it's not a trick <laughs> question. I promise. Oh, great. Um, and this, I told, so Nate did the first uh, episode of the podcast and I told him this is going to be my wrap up question for everybody. And once I ask it, you'll know why, because it's an obsession of mine. Um, what is your favorite coffee drink? Ooh, um, so, oh, wow. Okay. I like all, all different types of coffee. Um, so yeah, I guess just usual uh, black filter and I had an almond milk creamer and that's what I mm. usually drink. And every once in a while, I'll, you know, treat myself to something else, like a latte or something, um, mm -hmm. dairy free. So I, you know, I use almond milk or, you know, soy milk or something like that. But yeah, or yeah, lattes are good. I will drink, I will drink any coffee drink. Um, <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> so, so I'm the same way. Whatever, whatever you put in front of me, uh, I will be. Oh, I will say, so this isn't a coffee drink, but I would recommend um, one of the best drinks that I ever had that was very unexpected was um, putting tea in cocoa. So like steeping a tea bag in cocoa. And really? The best drink that I had was Earl Grey tea, Earl Grey tea bag in cocoa. It was absolutely delicious. It was like one of my most memorable drinks that I ever had um, for the winter time. It's cool. It's like chocolatey, but you get like, you get Earl grayness. Oh, it's really good. So like, so then I was kind of obsessed with like different types of steeping teas and stuff in cocos and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But Earl Grey with Earl Grey with hot chocolate with cocoa, highly recommend. Hmm. I've never had that, which is interesting. So I'm normally, I mean, I'm clearly a coffee person, but I also drink tea in the evenings usually. And I actually grew up on tea, um, hmm. but I've never, and I've had clearly coffee and cocoa, basically a mocha, right? But I've never had tea in cocoa. Oh, try, try it it'll blow your mind soon as the weather turns a little bit I feel like I need yeah. the weather to be yeah, a little no, no. crisper <laughs> yeah it's by the way the day we're recording this it's supposed to be in the 90s today so <laughs> definitely not hot tea and cocoa today so right all right well thank you so much for joining us and I hope everyone enjoyed getting to know Sharon and we'll come see her and I should mention uh, by the time we drop this, we, you and I both will be in person in the office. Um, Sharon will be in office Monday through Thursday. And every, you know, our students, you can make appointments with her on Law Line Careers. And I know she's looking forward to getting to know 
all of you and so many of you, and I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again. So again, Sharon, thank you for joining me today. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Stop in and say hi, everyone.